You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. I'm Beth White. I am your host this morning. Uh, Jen and I are um, dividing and conquering today. Um, So I am delighted today. It is um, March, and there's two things going on in March. Um, There's a lot of things going on in March, but one, it's Women's History Month. And secondly, it is also we get to celebrate uh, the great feast of St. Patrick. So um, I have two guests this morning. So the first is Vanita Hampton Wright, and she is go- joining us. Um, she is um, a, an author, a retreat director, and a recently retired editor um, of from Loyola Press. Good morning, Vanita. Good morning. Good to hear your voice again. It's yeah. been a few years, hasn't it? <laughs> it has been. It has been. It's so good to see you. Mm. And so you've moved from cold Chicago, right? So you're now down south. Yes, I have. We moved from cold Chicago um, to be closer to my family. Um, so I get, I'm just a couple hours away from my mother now. And so this is just a time of life when it's good to visit her more often and help out a little more and just, you know, it's been a, it's been a good move. We're in Northwest Arkansas. We're in Springdale, which is in the Fayetteville, Bentonville area. And, um, really love the, really love Arkansas. You know, it's a little more country here. Um, I go walking a lot in the woods and now that I'm retired, I have more time to do that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I love the 30 years I lived in Chicago. Absolutely loved it. And maybe, uh, that's part of the reason I, I was more spiritually free just to leave when it was time to leave. So yeah. we are yeah. well settled here, my husband and me and our two dogs and a cat. And, um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm enjoying a, a life of having more time to do my own writing, oh, which is one excellent. reason I retired a bit early. So. That's great. Well, you still had energy to do a lot of writing, right? Yes, (laughs) yes, definitely. It's fantastic. I can already (laughs) hear a little twang of the South in your voice. Yeah, (laughs) well, I grew up in Southeast Kansas, and I guess the twang is coming back. (laughs) (laughs) That's fabulous. I love it. I love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Love it. So thank you for being with us. Um, no. So it is um, Women's History Month, and I was going through some of my feeds and seeing things, and I said, oh, my gosh, Vanita wrote another book. Uh, it's not out yet, so uh, to, in, um, for our audience, I haven't read it yet. I will be, uh, but it comes out March 25th, right? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's um, set the world on fire, a four week personal retreat with the female doctors of the church. And it's um, Ave Maria Press is the uh, publisher, right? Yes. Yes. Excellent. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why, uh, what inspired you to do this project? And then we can talk a little well, bit about the project. But what, what yeah, inspired well, you? what inspired me basically was Ave Maria coming to me and asking me if I would consider doing this book. Oh, awesome. um, uh, Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have thought of doing it on my own, but once they described what they wanted, I thought, oh, yeah, this sounds like a great project. Uh, So they wanted me to uh, approach, you know, the four female doctors of the church, Mm -hmm. St. Teresa of Lisieux, uh, St. Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, and Hildegard of Bingen. Those are the four female doctors of the church. And they wanted me to create a four-week personal retreat using the life examples and also the words of these four women. And um, I am now, now, especially that I'm retired, I am a spiritual director. And yeah. so uh, not only am, am I uh, uh, used to doing group retreats, I am really approaching uh, this material as a spiritual director, which is what they wanted me to do. Mm. Uh, So I have explored now, I I have to say up front, I'm not, um, I'm not an expert on their four lives. There's just so much to know about each one of them. You know, you're talking about a lot of study, a lot of uh, uh, material to cover to know about to be an expert on on what they did and and wrote but i certainly dove into a good bit of their writings and got a good sense of each of their lives um i had written prayer books before on the two teresas on Therese and, Ther- and teresa uh, years ago so i knew them a little better i uh, got a little more acquainted this time with catherine of siena and hildegard of bingen whom i i just love her because she's the creative i mean she i've i've been a songwriter she was a songwriter you know she was very in touch with the created world um, and helped people spiritually connect better with creation and and especially now that i'm around a lot more you know wilderness where i live um that's become much more important to me to be just more closely connected to the earth and to uh, God as God is revealed in creation. And so she was all about that. Uh, but this this book is really written as a retreat book. It has morning prayer and evening prayer. Oh, wow. I give people I give people things to do, different kinds of prayer practices to try. Uh, use a bit of imaginative prayer, a bit of Lectio, Lectio Divina. We have scripture. We have a gospel passage for each day. We have other scriptures uh, that that go along with what um, what this particular saint has written. Um, and there's so many themes in the lives of each of these women that I had to just pick one theme uh, for each of them because it was just impossible to cover more. So with St. Therese, um, she shows us how to love God through a little way. In other words, she was able to accept herself for who she was. 
and follow uh, and follow Jesus as a person she was, not as a person she may have wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, she was young, uh, she was female. There were just she had a lot of illness, and so uh, she shows us how to love God through who we are. Um, and and it, kind of a holy self-acceptance, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she That's just one of the lessons of her life. And with um, Teresa of Avila encourages us uh, to our own unique, uh, to own our unique life with God. Uh, Teresa of Avila was not well understood in her time and her prayer experiences. She did not seek um, mystical experiences, but they came to her as she was uh, praying. And um, so she was really quite a mystic, but um, some of her experiences, people didn't know what to do with. Yeah. And and some even thought that they were of the devil. I mean, yeah. she had a really hard time um, finding people who she could really be honest with about what she was experiencing in mm-hmm. prayer. And, uh, and yet she knew, she just knew in her heart that, no, this is God speaking to me. I cannot abandon this prayer. This is the Lord talking to me. And so she really gives us an example of owning the experience that God gives us, even if it may not be understandable to other people, even if we don't quite understand it ourselves. Um, So that was a theme from her life and from Catherine of Siena. Again, there's so much you could get from her life, but she sets an example of spiritual power in God's loving service. Mm. She was known as someone who served the poor, she also became her piety and her her holiness were well known to people outside the church. People in politics knew who she was. She gave advice to kings and and even told the pope, "Hey, it's time for you to move back to Rome." You know, yeah. I mean, she she was so dedicated to truth, or what I would call God's reality. The tr- you know the reality of who we are and God's love for us. She was so totally committed to that truth, and yet it was um, it was not just her preaching the truth at people, but her uh, really celebrating at every moment God's love for us, and that all the truth is held in this love of mm-hmm. God that is just overwhelming everything else. And then the fourth person, Hildegard, uh, she models engaging life with great passion and creativity. And I've, oh, I've always, I've already yeah. commented on the yeah. kinds of things that she did. Uh, so I tell you, it was really a, a task to choose, <laughs> you know, to choose quotes from these women. I mean, they all, there's, you know, extensive literature that, that they generated um, and just so many themes from their lives. But I was... Um, I don't use the word blessed a lot because I think it gets misused sometimes, but I can honestly say I was blessed as I worked on this Mm. and just got to know these women better and was encouraged by their example and by their words, you know, by the things they wrote and said. Um, So um, I I really, I have great uh, expectations for this book. It may be the best, um, well, it's hard to say. I've, I've written a number of different kinds of books over the years, but um, this is one of the most important books I've, I've written in the nonfiction realm So, because it's a retreat book. Yeah. So um, what did, I'm sure that doing this, um, this book, I, I saw that you said that online. I saw that you said that it was probably the 
best book that you've done. It must have, these women must have touched you. In what ways did they speak to you as a as a writer, as a woman, what as a, a woman of faith? What what did you? Um, I, I'm sure there's a lot, but uh, yeah. Well, um, in, in a lot of ways, the themes that I picked out were the were the ways that they touched, they touched me. You. So you know, mm-hmm. I, I would I would probably echo a lot of what I've just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that um, well, you know, one thing that I ran across uh, that Catherine wrote that I had not come across before. It's in her dialogues, and of course, the dialogues are just a lot, a lot of material. Her conversations with God, but. Um, uh, when she was talking about love in one of the dialogues, there's this whole section on not judging people that I had never read before. And it was really stunning on how it's not for me to judge others. Um, even in how they treat me, my, my, uh, focus is always to be on what is God's will for that person. Oh, and when you when you look at life that way, that's a that's a pretty sharp turn from the way we generally act with people. Yeah, you know, and and yeah. how how quick we are to judge someone else's motives, mm-hmm. which I have no way of knowing what another person's motives are. But often our judgments have to do with what we think they were trying to do, or you know, we think we understand what this person uh, is is. Uh, what this person means or you know we just assume that we understand what's going on in other people and we judge them accordingly uh and this passage was just so strong about god was telling Catherine essentially that's not your job that is not for you to do you always focus on my will for that person you don't focus on what that person has done to you or done wrong and that kind of stopped me in my tracks because um it's you know as you know hard uh, judging (laughs) well judging others is one of the greatest temptations i think in the church yeah is uh is judgment that is inappropriate you know i mean we always have to be discerning about what's the right thing or the wrong thing or what's the best thing Mm -hmm. you know that's discernment Mm -hmm. discernment and judgment are not the same thing Mm -hmm. and and so uh that was something that really caught my attention yeah, yeah. and and then i remembered you know if if you go back and read the entire 14th chapter in the book of romans that's really uh paul was saying the same things yeah, yeah. And he had very very strong language about judging other people's even judging himself he says yeah. i can't even judge myself yeah. that's what god does uh and so i was reminded so we're gonna of take a, we're gonna take a yeah. quick break And we'll come back and and continue our conversation. We'll be right back. Okay, sure. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. 
You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Can a dead man come back to life? For this I know only alive Because I'm a man that calls Jesus Christ I'm a dead man walking Come back to life Welcome back to On The Way. I am having a conversation this morning with <laughs> Vanita Hampton-Wright. She is an author, a retreat leader, and a recently retired uh, book editor for Loyola Press. So um, welcome back. And um, we were just talking about um, what you learned from these women through this process. Um, just to reground us, could you tell our listeners and me, what makes um, these four women doctors of the church? What is it that they have sort of in common? Or wh what is it that got them declared doctors of the church? Well, without going into a long the long process of how saints and doctors are made, um, uh, the the easiest way to describe it is that each of these four women discovered something about our relationship with God that was so fundamental and so important oh, to the church that it was timely and timeless information. And it added to the actual theology and spirituality of the church as a whole. And this was recognized, uh, of course, by people who are around them and who knew them. But uh, in the same way that saints are, are become saints because uh, there is a, a consensus 
about the the holiness of their lives and the truth of who they were. Uh, these women, it was recognized kind of across the board by you know um, by priests and and bishops and popes and and theologians. It was recognized that what this person has said to us is important enough that it actually helps the church, the church's theology develop a little more. Uh, you know, our theology is ongoing in the way we, we learn uh, more with each generation, what it means to be the people of God mm. and, and what they had, you know, like with, with Therese, the whole thing about a little way, you know, we don't have to go to God in a big way. We don't have to become important people. I can become at one point, she says, I can become a saint, even though I'm little, mm. even though I'm just this, you know, and, and this was, and, and you know, there were other things that marked her for becoming a doctor of the church, such as the way she dealt with suffering. And she had a lot of it in her life. She died at, at age 24 mm. um, after a lot of illness, uh, you know, so the way she looked at suffering, um, her whole take on the the sacred face of Jesus. And, you know, she used suffering. She used everything in her life as a way to look into Jesus' face, to look, in, to look into mm. Jesus. And so that was what she offered. Um, Teresa of Avila was the one who wrote The Interior Castle. So she developed this understanding of within each person, you know, God dwells in us. But there are different uh, levels of knowing God, and you know there are deeper and deeper ways of knowing God, and and no one had really written like that before. No one yeah. had described the 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 human soul as such a dwelling place of God and a place where you could meet God in different ways and at different times. And I think she said at one point, you know, sometimes we we encounter God in two or three different places on the same day. You know, it's not like you, it's not linear. It's not like, well, first I meet God in this chamber of my heart. And then I go to that one. And then that one, you know, we're always in different areas of life. We're meeting God at different levels of depth and understanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she gave us that, Um, excuse me. Um, So, so each of these women had, an understanding that deepened the church's understanding yeah. of yeah. our relationship with God. And um, it, I mean, Hildegard was, was a pioneer in terms of understanding our universal home. You know, she, she was doing early science, you know, yeah. um, and, and had a really mystical understanding of creation that the church, you know, needed and still needs, frankly, when you look at the state of creation these days mm-hmm. and what we've done, we still need her understanding of it. And um, and with uh, Catherine, you know, she uh, she had a lot of things to say theologically, but again, this this whole um, preference for the truth and having the truth guide really everything that we do but also uh, learning that our love of God always happens in the context of our neighbor. You know, her, her explanations of how we love God really went above and beyond what uh, others had said. So it's not just that they were saints, that they did amazing things. It's not that uh, two or three of them were mystics, you know, and levitated or the, the kinds of things that we kind of make sensational 
that wasn't the thing at all. It was that they actually helped the church understand even more about God and ourselves in relationship to God. Um, and, and that was recognized. And so, um, and and for a couple of them, it was recognized early before there was anything like, you know, looking at women as really equal to men. Um, you know, a couple of these women were made doctors of the church at a time when women still really did not have any form of equality in terms of the way they were seen. And yet, even in those times, uh, they were recognized mm. as having given something to the church that the church needed to have. So that's kind of a general no, <laughs> explanation of, of doctors of the church. That's no, beautiful. I, you know, um, in our work of evangelization, um, I really um, have this um, tying together the universal call to holiness, um, this sense of <clears> being <throat> on a spiritual journey um, with evangelization. Um those two, the modern view of what we mean to evangelize, sharing our <laughs> stories, um, because we believe that an evangelization has to start with that encounter, that encounter with Jesus, yes. and then growing in that relationship with Jesus, the Spirit, God. Um, and all of these women had that relationship. It's so clear in, the, in even what you're talking about. Do you see that uh, in your work as a spiritual director in this book, the, the real need for spiritual growth in people as they... Um, in order to share their faith with others? Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question. Do you, do you could... see that uh, a connection between people that are growing in their spiritual life and their ability? Um, it, I guess, okay, we often say you cannot give what you do not have. And so mm-hmm, part of mm-hmm. growing on your spiritual journey um, isn't just for you. It's also so that you yes. can help others. And so these are four women who clearly had incredible journeys with God, and then they took to pen, they took to creativity to share that mm-hmm. with others. Do you see that as a as an outcome of a spiritual um, growth? Oh, or? oh yes, oh yes, I think so. And and actually, uh, you know, their emphasis was even though they had these incredible interior experiences the emphasis of their lives was always outward yeah you know Catherine was out there helping the sick and the poor and and uh Teresa was trying to uh, which she did she reformed the Carmelite order to be more focused on prayer and service to others because it really wasn't that when she joined it uh and and uh Therese was all about, you know, how can I serve others? How can I, how can I do what God wants me to do? And how can I learn to be more kind with this person? And and she was even, she was sort of a spiritual director to some male ministers, I think oh. by letter, you know, yeah. um, and um, Hildegard was, I mean, she, she got busier the older she got. You know, in yeah. her old age, she was out doing preaching tours. And oh, wow. uh, so it's it's always that outward. I think it always is outward. It has, to, you know, it has to be in the context mm-hmm. of outward. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I think that if you really believe I, as a spiritual director, I truly believe that God welcomes us and is always looking at us and waiting for us to look back, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for us to engage and very patient with us as we learn, as we become unafraid so that we will, or, you know, overcome all the things to get in the way of our engaging with God. Mm-hmm. But I've also learned that in sitting with people and listening to them, 
I have learned more and more to trust that the Holy Spirit is always at work. Yeah. You know, yeah. it really has very little to do with what I do or say. You yes. know, I create a safe space for people yes. where they can talk about what's happening inside them. Mm-hmm. But uh, all you have to do is sit with people for a little while until you realize, you know, I'm just a witness here. I'm, I'm yes. the person who they can talk to about it, but the Holy Spirit's doing this. Yeah. And, and when you can, when you can reflect that to other people, uh, then they don't feel as if they need an expert so that they can grow spiritually, right. exactly. you know? Uh, yeah. And I think these, these women were all very good at recognizing that God is always at work in people. And part of our task is to recognize that. And to speak it, mm-hmm. you know, to affirm, affirm I need it. to affirm to the people I sit with that God is at work in your life and you are growing and you're learning more. Yeah. Uh, it's that uh, very um, generous way of being with people that encourages them to believe what they have learned yeah. and to begin to trust, oh, God is speaking with me. God is working with me. I don't need some expert to tell me that this is fine. No, the Lord has spoken to my heart. I can, I can trust this. Uh, so there's always an outward element of it. That's you know, wonderful. it happens in the context of, of community. So we end our time with you, Vanita. So I encourage <clears throat> everyone to get the Set the World on Fire, a four-week personal retreat with the female doctors of the church. Um, check it out on your favorite place to buy your books. And thank you so much. Um, we look oh, forward, to, I, to, I look forward to reading it. Good to see you. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much.